Hello and welcome to Some Other Sphere, a podcast discussing the strange, eclectic, macabre and esoteric, hosted by Rick Palmer. In this episode, I discuss tarot with Ellen Heron. Ellen has been a tarot reader for over 20 years and also hosts regular classes and workshops for people interested in learning more about the cards. I'm very much a novice myself, and as such, this episode is a beginner's guide, discussing the origins of tarot, its evolution from a renaissance card game into an occult resource, the major and minor arcana, and how to best start using a tarot deck for readings. It was a pleasure to talk with Ellen and learn more about this fascinating subject. Ellen, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Rick. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're very welcome. So we're talking about tarot in this episode. You're a teacher of tarot. How did yeah. you How did you first find the the cards? And just tell us a little bit about how you first got into tarot. Well, it's a good question because I can't always remember <laughs> exactly how I got into these sorts of things because I did all sorts of odd bits and pieces as a child and through my teenage years. And sort of tarot was one of them that stuck. But I think uh, I first picked up a deck of playing cards and learned to read with those when I was about 10 or 11 years old. And I found out how to do it from a book that I'd picked up from a car boot sale. And it had all sorts of different ways of uh, uh, divining and different things you could learn. So there were ways to divine with signs that you'd see in nature, birds, divining from books, uh, divining from um, swinging a pendulum around, throwing rocks, all sorts of different things. But reading playing cards, I think, for a 10-year-old is the most accessible thing. So I started that way. And I think I must have bought my first deck of tarot cards. I was probably about 13 or 14. And I remember hiking off over Derby, uh, which is where I was growing up at the time, uh, on my lunch break because I used to have a Saturday job. And uh, standing in this shop, it sells kind of you know, quirky gifts and slightly naff objects. But it, I knew that it had tarot cards behind the um, behind the counter. And I... Uh, had uh, the cheat deck and uh, took that home and learned how to use it. Okay, so well, how did how did you do that? Was it did it come with a, a guide or did you just sort of in, do it intuitively? Oh well, no, I don't think there was much intuition going on particularly then. Um, not with the cards anyway. I was a very intuitive child and I did pick up on certain things. I um, force or a death and all sorts of things when I was a kid but um no I think I went and bought it must have been around the same time a little Collins gem guide mm-hmm. to the tarot and looking back on it now I was quite lucky because the tarot I'd bought the cheapest one was a Marseille tarot right. now if if you've seen um tarot decks before you'll know that they fall into two very broad categories and one is where the cards all have pictures on them mm-hmm. And the other one is where they look a bit more like a standard playing card deck and they just have numbers of symbols on them. And that's the first one I got. And it's well known. It's not kind of the ideal beginner's deck, really, because you have to do a bit of kind of heavy lifting with the remembering. So I had this little Collins gem and it it happened to have pictures of the Marseille deck in it, which was really helpful with the deck that I had because it focused on that Marseille style of deck. And really Marseille just refers to the style of printing at the time actually a really kind of woodcut and um really bright vibrant primary colors uh, really recognizable um but i i think i'm i may i can't remember whether it was before or after this but i also got a a tarot deck free with a girl's kind of teenage magazine i can't remember which one it was and it was just a set of the major arcana and it was like a little composite mm-hmm. image kind of thing where you know bits of photography of you know, teenage models and stuff have been hacked together with illustration and read with it loads and loads and loads and I, as I said I don't know where that happened it probably got binned by my mother at some point um but beyond that I, c- I can't remember when I next bought a tarot deck but it probably wasn't till university university because I used that Marseille deck I still have it and it's so well thumbed and it's really really grubby around the edges and so I genuinely and properly read with it, but I don't think I ever really thoroughly learned it. I was always having to refer back to my little book. 
Um, so I think probably the kind of journey into being able to read confidently with tarot took a bit longer than that. And I bought a couple of decks and various oracle decks, so different styles of, of cards with different approaches uh, when I was at university, so 17, 18. And, and I sort of dipped in and out of reading with the cards, but I kind of got better at it in my late 20s and now I'm in my mid-30s. So the last sort of 10 years has been the next part of the apprenticeship and I've done lots and lots of reading for people online. I've done um, reading on sort of text services, which, you know, you know, <laughs> will you have lucky love this weekend? Text in, find out. Right. And lots of people think that, you know, there, there aren't real people doing that kind of reading on the other end, but actually there is, there's good old me with a deck of tarot cards telling you in, you know, the space of a couple of tweets what's going to happen with your date and it makes you really quick at doing it because the play is terrible so um you know you do it quickly and in doing so you learn the cards really you know and to make really kind of quick connections so uh, that really helped i did a little bit on the phones as well which i didn't like very much um but yeah you know just doing lots of different things and reading for other people okay and so with with reading cards i suppose hmm. Is if someone chooses some cards, how 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 do you kind of work out how the the relevance of that imagery to that person to that person's situation? That's an interesting question. Actually, I was teaching tarot on Saturday morning, and I could feel the old psychic vibes firing up because I've done you know I've always been able to pick up on things so you know I could walk into a room and know that you know it didn't have a nice atmosphere or I knew that you know something was about to happen I'd get kind of premonitions or foreboding or uh, I was able you know I've always been able to pick up on things you know seeing ghosts and all that kind of stuff so I think I use quite a lot of sort of native psychic skill to go along with my reading but I was working with this pupil who wanted to know whether that was sort of a prerequisite for being able to read with the cards. And I said, I didn't think it was because all the information is there in the cards. So if somebody asks you a question, or certainly certainly it's there in those pictorial cards, you can kind of fairly quickly make a um, some sort of analysis of what's been asked of you. If somebody asks you, you know, uh, I'm going for promotion on Monday next week, am I likely to get the job? Well, you can draw a bunch of cards right. and you can say, well, this card says, you know, you're going to have excellent dealings with people in authority. And this card says that, uh, you know, expect delays. So, you know, you can, it doesn't take much to say, well, yeah, you probably are, but it might not be when you think it's going to happen. You know, that kind of um, understanding of the cards is fairly straightforward, I think. And you can, you can pick that up from pictures mm. as well as well as kind of knowing great big lists of meanings but obviously there's a bit more subtlety to it than that and I find that I pick up on sometimes mediumship stuff so when I was reading for somebody recently I was very strongly getting um, comments if you like from their mother who, who was deceased and I think people who are drawn to the tarot probably have those sorts of skills anyway that the tarot may help them uncover and I also think that we all have those sorts of skills so most people will know you know you could be sitting in a room listening to something on headphones and there will be something that will make you realize that somebody else has walked into the room even if you can't see them and I think those subtle skills which you can call psychic if you like are with all of us and I think some of us are just more used to using them I'm, I'm a musician as well that's kind of my day job and then I think being a musician is kind of similar we all have mm. the basic capacity to be musical people it's just that I've had you know 30 years more training in it so I know how to do um you know all the detailed elements of that kind of work right okay because um one thing I was thinking is that the, the, the general idea I would say if you ask someone in the street about tarot is perhaps 
slightly cliched about someone, <laughs> you know, someone going into a, a, like a small room and maybe someone yeah. with like like robes and and a crystal ball and 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 uh, that's sort of mm. like a stereotypical image and, mm. and and I guess that I, I guess I mean I, I mean I know from talking to to my friends when I was getting interested in tarot there was a little bit of skepticism I would say as, as, as it being anything more than than like a like an entertainment and yeah what would you say is what would you say to them in terms of um what tarot is and and how it can how it could work for them mm-hmm. I th- I think it depends on who is asking me so if I have you know Mr or Miss Skeptic who is perhaps quite abrasive about it you know perhaps very you know has a very material based worldview or perhaps is you know really into their scientific understanding of things and likes hard proof I'm not an apologist for the tarot I don't have to enter into those conversations if I feel like I'm being Mm. baited and so actually I will sometimes just step away from those kinds of discussions I've I've had that before where I just felt actually who gains anything from this you know you trying to shame me and ridicule my beliefs because they don't fit in with your worldview um so there are a lot of times I will kind of sidestep those kinds of questions. If it's somebody who is just a little bit shy, because actually you do get an awful lot of shyness around such things. You know, people are really interested, but they don't tell you that they're interested in case they're rubbish at it or feel a little bit, you know, silly or that they might be questioned as to their interest. Well, those people try and find out what their um what their desire is really you know if they're just after a little bit of guidance because sometimes that's the case then I'll just you know I'll do a reading and not make a big deal of it and you know we talk use the cards point whereas if people are really interested in what the cards are Hmm. what they do are they magic well then that's another bunch of questions again and I think as a teacher the first thing as a teacher you have to do is suss out your client or your pupil and it's the same when I teach music as well. I have to work out where that musician is coming, that potential musician is coming from and what they desire from their time learning, uh, where they see themselves going with that. You know, are they aiming to be, you know, playing Bach on right. stage or are they just wanting to be able to play happy birthday to their family? And it's the same with the cards, really. Um, I think the cards can tell you, you know, whether your date is going to be a disaster or they can tell you <laughs> incredibly deep spiritual truths and help you understand the nature of being. So, you know, you have to know what somebody's after before you start answering their questions, I think. Okay. I mean, one, what I um, found interesting is that people, if someone who might be quite sceptical about tarot probably mm. wouldn't be sceptical about psychology and Oh yeah, Jungian Jungian ideas about about consciousness and the mind, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that seems to be a bit almost a little hypocritical because if you look at the if you look at the the major arcana, I would say that's that's full of archetypes, isn't it? That's yeah. full of archetypal kind of ideas and and beings. And I, when I was when I talked to my friends about it, I say, well, it's tarot is sort of like a way of um, getting in touch with your with your subconscious mind, maybe. That's a good question. What does the tarot do? Who Who is answering the questions? So if I'm turning some cards over and saying, you know, well, yes, your date is going to be terrible on Saturday, so don't go out with them. Who is answering that question? Well, is it me as the tarot reader? Is mm. it the, the querent, the person who's asking the questions, subconscious? Is it some guide of mine or somebody else's is it god is it um the universe whatever that means to you so those questions aren't really really easy to answer but what i do think is you can frame your understanding of the tarot and where that information is coming from in a way that suits you just as we all make our own decisions about um how we understand the world fit what we already believe so if it suits somebody who's either learning the tarot or having a tarot reading to have a really kind of strong 
psychological um, understanding of those images and what they do, then that's great. That's fine. Um, psychology is a really, you know, and it, and its teachings are a really great way of interacting with the tarot. Likewise, though, if somebody um, feels that they've got lots of spirit guides or they work with the dead, perhaps, and, you know, feel that, you know, their ancestors are the ones helping them turn the cards over. Well, the message given is never any less accurate. It's always pretty much as on point, whichever understanding you have. So I don't think it matters. Okay. So um, a classic tarot deck, yeah. and, and the, the most classic one, I'd say, is the is the Rider Waite Smith deck. That's mm. that's the one most people will, will think of when they think of tarot. Sure. Um, it's made up of 22 major arcana and, mm-hmm. and then 56 minor arcana. Um, just just go a little bit into those two sets of cards within the deck and 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 how they can be used for for readings. Okay, well, I think it can help to understand a little bit where the, the cards come from. It's okay. not until really quite recently that any serious academic study's been done into the tarot, and people are finding out an awful lot more now than we knew before. I think if you were to pick up a um, a book on the tarot from about 20 years ago in the history section at the beginning you'd get this kind of vague oh well we don't really know where the tarot came from we think it might have come from somewhere from the ancient egyptians or it uh, you know might have developed out of playing cards well we know an awful lot better about where it comes from now and so how the structure of the deck is has developed over the centuries we've got a fairly early reference we think that the earliest references in about the 1440s to the tarot specifically but before that there are references to playing cards being used for games um we, and those cards we think originally came from the middle east and they came to europe around in sort of in the mid 1300s and as the tarot was when the tarot was created those playing cards were in common use so they you know they would have been things that ordinary folks would have seen we don't really know why the tarot was then created specifically you know when those extra cards came in so your standard playing card deck of course has the four different suits and three court cards so you've got your um your king your queen and your jack but we have an extra court card in the tarot so i don't really know when that happened but we do know that they developed out of this game playing tradition and that that game playing tradition still carries on now and we think probably that the the trump cards if you like the major arcana would have been used for you know extra points winning the game something like that um so if you look at the cards then to be able to do fortune telling with that came a little bit later really and in france that uh there was a an occultist and he um, he wrote a book it was a really really long book called Le Monde Primitive and his name was Cour de Jebelin I think my French is really terrible um, and in the 1700s he was the one who sowed this nasty rumour that the cards came from ancient Egypt we have absolutely no evidence of that at all um, and that kind of just passed down through various occultists and they got layered and layered and layered with all sorts of different esoteric meanings and what was weird about it is although the cards have this kind of fairly recent and now trackable and documentable history they fit into uh all sorts of other systems so the most well-known one is kabbalah so that jewish mystical system and understanding there and uh, we've got uh, 22 cards in the major arcana and then we've got 22 letters in the hebrew alphabet and so if you look on cards they often have those hebrew letters on which kind of fit into um, that, that understanding, that Kabbalah. Um, but in terms of how you go about reading with them, you can use all those wonderful layers of, um, you know, different mystical understandings of the world and the images on the cards. Um, or you can take them very much at face value, I think. So, you know, you see a picture of somebody crying 
over some yeah. spilt cups. Well, you know, it's probably going to be a sad card. Yeah, I, I, I get what you mean there, because I'm, I'm looking at the deck, there are some cards. So there's a card, mm. the, the the Ten of Swords. Um, yeah. <laughs> and that's... Oh, yeah. The, yeah, it's pretty hardcore, <laughs> that one. Yeah, for, for, the, for the listeners, basically that card has a guy, maybe like a soldier, and he's laid out on a... It looks like he's laid out on a on on a on a tomb or something, and he's just got ten swords like driven into him. And I was looking at that card, and I can't, I can't really see anything <laughs> anything looking good coming from from that card yeah. coming out. Is is that is that is that accurate? That's a really interesting question, and I think in again, sorry, not to answer your question directly. We can, sp- okay. we can spin the cards however we want them to. So, for example, if you see that card, which pretty much lo- looks like somebody's just been, you know, murdered by half a half an <laughs> army. Oh, it's all yeah. right. The worst is behind you. Is <laughs> often what the tarot reader will say. But you can't get any worse than this. So the only way is up. So you'll find those kinds of um, that way of reading the cards. You know, if if you're reading for somebody's future. Well, you know, you have to spin it in a slightly different way. You're going to have some tricky times, but it's okay. It won't last for long. The pain will soon be over and you can start again. So um, you have to look at the card within context, I think, within a reading and see what's going on. Um, But the thing about the tarot is it contains basically the whole of the human experience. And... In recent years, kind of the last, I don't know, 20 years or so, we had that kind of upsurge of really positive new age philosophy. You know, there were lots about the things about angels and affirmations and, you know, that really, you know, fairies as well. They kind of had a bit of a renaissance and lots of card decks came out which you know they were advertised by saying you know there were no bad cards in this deck there are no negative cards here and fine actually there's a point in your life sometimes where you need to be held by the hand and babied and looked after and sometimes those gentle loving messages as they put them you know as they describe them as can be really helpful i think the tarot is a little more forthright if something's going to be bad, it will tell you. And it's up to the tarot reader's skill and the tarot reader's empathy and compassion for others to be able to frame that with hope. So, you know, if somebody is looking to, for example, move house, they found somewhere that they think is going to be absolutely splendid, they just want to confirm it with their tarot reader, the tarot reader turns over a bunch of cards which don't look too healthy. What the tarot reader then has to do is say, well, actually, you might want to rethink this. It's not looking like it's going to be the best move. Have you considered this? If I were, as a reader, to say, that's a really terrible idea, don't do it, and kind of give your, you know, the person inquiring the <laughs> collie wobbles, well, that's not helpful for anybody. Um, I think... <laughs> Sometimes, you know, if you're with somebody you trust, you know, a really good friend who's reading the tarot, then you can perhaps, you know, be a little bit more direct. But when people come for a reading, I've noticed over the years that generally they know the answer to their question. They wouldn't have asked me about that house if they weren't suspicious (laughs) on some level. That's always not as it seemed. I think, in fact, I would go so far as to say people who come and have their cards read already know the answer that the cards are going to give. Okay, right, yeah. Or I mean, yeah. I guess I guess if they already know, then they know that that's in their subconscious, isn't it? And, and tarot's helping bring their yeah. subconscious to the to to the conscious world, I suppose. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Okay, so do you think, in a way, is the distinction between the major arcana and the minor arcana is that something that is? I wouldn't say unimportant, but perhaps. If you're learning, if you're learning the tarot, can you could you get a little bit too bogged down in that? And is it helpful to have that distinction? Okay, so I think the tarot feels like a massive learning task when you first approach it. You know, seventy-eight cards, and there's just millions upon millions of different combinations of those cards. So, you know, once you've kind of learnt the original meanings, if you like, then mixing them all together so the cards talk to each other and applying it to different people's situations can feel like an impossible task. But splitting the cards into two 
the major and the minor can be a beginning helping hand, if you like. And actually, I often, when I'm starting with beginners, uh, split the cards into three. So I will not only take the major and the minor, but in the minors, I will take out the court cards as well. And we're, then we're just left with ace to ten. So we're left to ace to ten in four suits. And what I will often do is start with those four suits and teach people um, so some of the correspondences of those suits. So, uh, for example, looking at the swords, we would talk about how the swords deal with communication, how they deal with the mind, how they deal with uh, clear decision making and logic. And actually, once you know that, when the swords come up in a reading, you can think, OK, well, I know at least now what field I'm in, what kind of uh, the basics that I'm looking at. So, you know, if I pick the pentacles or the coins out, I know that I'm going to be looking at much more down to earth matters. I'm going to be looking at the everyday. I'm going to be looking at mundane things. I'm going to be looking at money. I'm going to be looking at career and work and all that kind of stuff. Um, if I pick out the cups, I'm going to be dealing with emotion or love or spirituality. And um, if I look at the wands, I'm going to be looking at the force of will. I'm going to be looking at things which deal with desire and action and progress and all that kind of stuff. So once I know those things, right. I can already make a really, really good stab at a reading. So I will often get people to, I'll, dig, I'll give them some sort of, for instance, ideas of what people might inquire about. And then I will get them to shuffle that set of cards up, that set of 40 cards, and just pull two out and make me a little story about that scenario. So, for example, um, Barbara has fallen out with her daughter-in-law. Uh, pull two cards out of the deck and we find out why she's fallen out with her daughter-in-law and what's behind it. And you find that people can very, very quickly, by using that understanding of what the basic suits are about and the pictures on the cards, really, really quickly give you a really clear and accurate reading. Okay. Yeah, that, that makes sense. The The one suit is one where there are some cards in that that that, um, that are curious to me. I, I did a, a little I, – I put all the cards on my bed and just pulled out three to, to see what I got. And one of the cards mm. I got was the, there was the two of wands. And I, I, yeah, sure. I got a little bit. I, I would say because I, because I, I was thinking, well, one one thing I've I've heard that is good to do is just you know just get these cards out and have a look at them and see what see what they tell you in terms of like you were saying like telling a story. What are they trying to? What's in that? Mm -hmm. What's in that image that you can take from that from that card? Mm -hmm. And the two of in the two of ones, there's a chap seems to be standing on some maybe some battlements or something overlooking overlooking the the rest of a landscape. And he's got yeah. one. He's got one staff wand in his hand. Another one's kind of behind him, uh, just mm -hmm. being held up by itself. And he's got the a small globe in his in his other hand. Yeah. So in one hand he's got a, a, a wand. The other he's got a small globe. And I was thinking, is this sort of saying that you're you're, you're concentrating too much on one thing and you're not looking at what you've got? You're not looking at what you've got. You're concentrating on something else. Is that? That seems to be what he's doing. Is that is that? Well, I would go back. I would go back and say, "Is that what you're doing?" <laughs> so the right. tarot reader will want to say, "Okay, well, that's what that car card is pulling out for you at the moment." Now, I know somebody in particular who might be listening to this who will get a little bit irritated because they like ascribing quite specific meanings to cards, and there's space for that. But I'm a much more intuitive reader. I like to work with people and get them to ask questions of the images that they see and, and apply them to their life. And so I would be saying, I'd immediately just kind of reflect the question back to you. Well, if that's what you see, what are you doing in your life that makes you feel, you know, feel like that? That What does that represent in your life? Um, having said that, though, there are, there can be cards that we get stuck with. I try and avoid saying that to people who are learning because it gives them a little thing to cling on to. Oh, that's just a card I have a blank about. I've been guilty of that in the past. Um, but actually, all the cards are there and already speaking to you. Sometimes you might just not want to hear the message. Okay. Mm -hmm. So one, one thing I was thinking as well, um, I've heard people talk about um, dreams and people can have uh, big dreams, which are full of, full of meaning and, and, 
and, and don't seem really connected to everyday life. And then they have small, smaller dreams, sure. which should, which probably relate more to the things that they're doing in their everyday, everyday today sort of existence. Mm-hmm. Would that be a, is that at all an, an analogy for the major arcana and the minor arcana? I think that's that's quite that's quite a helpful idea actually. So the major and the minor arcana, I tend to view like this. So the minors will deal with your human life. It'll deal with everything that you're going to experience actually. It's really it has an awful lot to say. So even though your life might be you know, you might feel that the minor arcana deals with everyday life but everyday life can be pretty dramatic you know we can sometimes feel like we're living in a soap yeah. opera you know things can just fall apart and all of that can be represented with the minor arcana so what does that mean the major arcana is for or is telling us for me i think they're like flags not warning flags but marker flags to say well, this is a really significant turning point this thing that you're going through or experiencing or are going to experience is going to inform where you go next. They're like little crossroads. And they show bigger, more universal aspects of our existence, I feel, Um, and things which can be played out on a micro or a macro level and sometimes are often played out in in, on, in both levels for the person who you're reading for so you know for example let's take the tower so it's a really dramatic card in the deck it's a it's a card which shows a, a flaming tower with people leaping to their deaths trying to escape the flames well you know what your chimney stack might fall off your roof in a big gust of unexpected wind so it's a fairly mundane event it's irritating and a bit dramatic but it might not have much of a kind of an effect on you long term you know it's not something that you're going to dwell on it's just an annoying thing that happened and that you might have to spend a lot of money putting right but then you might find that the tower card is also telling you at the same time to expect some other serious and rather dramatic changes which are going to affect how you move forward for the rest of your life or which are affecting your um your whole existence as you know a human being okay what would you say for people who are learning the cards and are doing readings on themselves is that i i imagine that's is it is that is doing that different to if you then did readings for other people or are the skills that you need and, and the means that you do that are they essentially the same The cards contain all the information. So in theory, you should be able to read for yourself and get as accurate a reading for yourself and your own situation as you do when reading for somebody else. But there's always being too close to a situation to being able to, you know, feel to be able to read it clearly. So, you know, I might be getting a card which indicates that, you know, I really want to get out of this situation. It's time to leave but I am just not in in the mental or emotional state to be ready to leave yet. And so I will perhaps unknowingly interpret that myself as something different. You know, I will say, okay, well, it's saying that I could leave, but actually if I stay, it's not going to be too bad. You know, you can spin that card however you like, and you don't always know that you're doing it when you're reading for yourself. So the way I tend to read for myself now is not to do kind of well that's not true I do do this I do read for myself you know should I do this or should I do that but what's more helpful for me now as somebody who kind of uses the tarot on multiple levels is to take a card to choose it and to perhaps meditate on it to read more about it to do other exercise with it exercises with it and to see how I can apply it to my life and and the things that I'm experiencing um you can freak yourself out a little bit with tarot cards, I think, as well, when you're reading for yourself. I mean, I remember being 15 and, you know, I can't remember what card it was, pulling it out of the deck, you know, 12 times in a row, even having shuffled it. And actually the odds of that are really quite spectacularly ridiculous. So um, sometimes it's not the best thing to do for yourself. I don't think it's always healthy. It's not wrong. Um, reading for other people, you have this outside of you anyway. 
Uh, I sometimes, I don't tend to read for my husband very often. Um, I would never read for my mother or my father um, just because I feel like it's right. like reading for myself. There's too much emotional connection going on. That said, I would probably read for my brother or sister mm. because there's a little bit more distance there between us. We, you know, we're close, but a little bit, you know, I don't quite have the same emotional connection as I do to my parents. Um, so, but if I'm reading for somebody I've never met before, that's where the psychic stuff can come in uninterrupted and un, kind of impeded by my understanding or emotional connection with the situation. I find actually that I read much, much better for people I've never met before. Okay. Yeah. That, that makes sense, I guess. Cause you're not, you're not, cause you're not, I guess, I guess you, there's not already some, some, some conscious thoughts going on. Or even very con- yeah. actually, or even very <laughs> yeah, conscious <exactly>. judgment. <laughs> so, you know, I think what you're doing is, what are you going out with him for? That's really, really terrible. And I'm going to tell you why, by the power of the courts. <laughs> yes. So, you know, you don't really want to be doing no. that with other people, but sometimes <laughs> with friends, you can't help it. And in, and with um, how you lay out the cards for readings, is there a, is there a, a favourite um, uh, laying out of cards that you do you prefer? Because mm. I've seen that you can use, the, well, I've seen spreads that can go from a relatively small number of cards to quite a lot. Is that, is do you find that there's one particular spread that might that works best for you? So when I started reading the cards, uh, my little book, whatever books I had, would give you a particular layout. So you know, you put this card here on the far left, and you follow it with another three cards, and then underneath that, you put another row of cards. And there's a lot to be said for that. But the way that I favour reading is just pulling cards out of the deck and turning them into a sort of narrative. So. I'm not afraid to shuffle the cards around again. So if you've got the Queen of Swords at the beginning and we're talking about your mam, well, um, if you pull out that Queen of Swords and she's in your mother position in your spread, I find that quite limiting when having that discussion with somebody. I like to be able to move that card around and see what that Queen of Swords might mean um, as an aspect of myself, for example, or as an action that I might want to take. I want to see where the, for want of a better word, the energy of that card can be used in other ways so i although i do know of course plenty of spreads and i've invented my own for various reasons and sometimes i will be quite specific this card means today this card means tomorrow this card means next week more often than not i start off by having a little conversation with whoever's asking a question you know what do you want to know about and then we'll just you know do a bit of shuffling and turn some cards off and then if it feels naturally you will feel like or I will feel like I want to turn some more cards or whether we've reached enough. So commonly I'll start with three and then maybe I'll move up to four or to six. And actually I rarely read beyond that. I think the cards have got so much information in them that to have a, a spread with 12 or 24 cards mm-hmm. in is really cumbersome. Also, I mean, I think some cards do seem to be easier to interpret than mm-hmm. others, I would say. So uh, for instance, a card like the like the 10 of... The ten of wands is a is a chap with he's just carrying lots of big sticks, isn't he? And it looks like he's really struggling, and and he's 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 still he's heading towards a like a far away castle. Um, for, for me, if yeah. I if I so if I pulled that card, I would say I would probably find that um, relatively easy to try and understand. It's like you're saying you're yeah. you're overburdened, you're doing too much. Um, yeah. Are there are there other cards that you would say are quite tricky to interpret or do they all is it all just a matter of thinking long enough until something comes to you i think there are cards that can be difficult to interpret when there's a message you don't want to hear so i had a problem for a long time with a lot of the cups cards on a personal level you know four of cups the five of cups they just weren't talking to me and i would still say actually sometimes i will draw those cards you know, I've drawn them sort of every time I've read for myself for the last five years or whatever. And there's still a message there. There's still something that needs to be unpicked and unpacked. And yet I will draw that card for somebody else and it will be blindingly obvious. So I think once you've got a bit of experience behind you as a reader, if you're not understanding the cards, somebody, it's uh, sometimes it's 
Um, it just needs a little bit more unpicking. You have to just push a little bit. And perhaps sometimes we just pull another card to try and explain that, to kind of take the explanation a little bit further. But I do understand where you're coming from. Some pictures are, it's clear what the situation is. So like you said, the Ten of Wands is, um, you know, it's very clearly a chap who's overburdened. But we've said overburdened. Um, actually, he seems to be coping quite well with those sticks. So we might then reframe what you've just said and say, well, actually, yeah, okay, he looks like he's overburdened, but actually he's doing really well. He's really, really strong. He's just won a strongman competition and he can carry those sticks yeah. and he carries them backwards and forwards between that castle and the wood every day. Um, right. So sometimes you can be stuck with a meaning in a card and not see it another way. And that's where um, that's where reading can really help. A lot of people think that, you know, you can't be a very good tarot reader if you have to read books about the tarot. Well, that's that's not true. I think referring to a book in a reading can put some people off because they like to think that you kind of know what you're talking about. Um, but sometimes, you know, there'll be some great tarot writers just have a different way of looking at a card and it can really help you um, get underneath the meaning when it's uh, eluding you, if you like. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I um I also I think if you because I'm I've got some books on tarot and I have found that when I'm reading the books I'm mm. I'm reading the book I'm not I'm not using the cards and you can I I, I sure. find myself maybe concentrating too much on reading the book about the cards rather than rather than trying to use the cards yeah. themselves. I think um when I first start teaching people to read the tarot I don't give them any meanings. I just give them the cards because the cards will speak. The cards have plenty to tell you. Um, and so I think understanding kind of or, or knowing those kind of big long lists of meanings and, you know, references to, to other things, uh, you know, other esoteric systems or whatever is really, really helpful. But all you can do it without that. You can do it with that right from the beginning. And I think as long as you know that and have experienced it and, you know, you've had a bit of a go at creating these little mini readings, if you like, you can then go forward confidently into any reading situation, knowing that you can create a narrative that is going to make sense. And anything else you manage to pull out beyond that from reading some books or gaining some knowledge from somebody else is just going to add to your reading. It's like giving a beautiful bunch of flowers to somebody. A bunch of tulips is beautiful and it has truth and honesty. It's a beautiful bunch of tulips. You might be able to then add some more beautiful flowers and some foliage and some ribbons and give yet more dimension to that beauty. But it doesn't make the beauty of the tulip any less real and true for all that extra stuff. Right. OK. So um, when you do readings for people, do they tell you, do you ask them mm. when, and you ask them to, I'm guessing they're coming to you and they have a they have something on their mind that they want to get some clarity on. Do they tell you what that is or do they keep it to themselves mm. or is it does it matter? I feel like if you're coming to somebody asking asking for some advice, you know, I'm really worried about my marriage. I don't know if my significant other is having an affair or, you know, is suffering from depression or whatever it is. Why not tell the person you're talking to? What are you there to have the reading for? Are you there to be helped to find some clarity or are you there to test the, you know, the psychic skill of the person you're paying to see or, or visiting, you know, or whatever. I feel like that goes back under the heading of skeptics, if you like. I'm not there to demonstrate my, um, you know, my ability to guess the name of your granny. Right. Yeah. I'm there to try and help you. And I could, I could possibly guess the name of your granny. I've done it before, <laughs> but is that what you want to test me on? Do you want to kind of, um, get me to do party tricks for you or yeah. do you want me to help you find some direction um, and if you want party tricks well that's fine let me wow you with my skill and ability but let's not kid ourselves into thinking that we're going to get really into the nitty-gritty of your problem in that time yeah yeah that makes sense so so most of the time people will be will tell you why they want a reading 
yes but often people don't know why they want a reading it's that kind right. of sort of floating malaise you know they feel a little bit huh, unsatisfied i don't know you know i don't hate my job and i i don't hate my wife but i'm not you know I'm not really <laughs> happy and so they won't okay. know and so we can do kind of exploratory things it's, it's like go to the doctor i'm not feeling very well doctor well what's wrong with you <laughs> and you, you know that kind of conversation starts to happen and what you aim to do as a tarot reader is to build up that trust and rapport so that when you do hit on something that's accurate they are able to admit that to you or to not admit it but at least give you some kind of confirmation that enables you to build on that conversation and sometimes they don't even need to say it explicitly i <laughs> i'm collecting criers at the moment so i've been inadvertently i haven't meant to do it you know i've said something and i've picked up on something and it's just turned on the waterworks with people because it's just hit the right spot you know it's a bit like when your chiropractor hits that spot which needs sorting out and it really bloody hurts <laughs> but you know if they keep pressing at it it's gonna be absolutely fabulous and you'll walk out of their office feeling marvelous um so there's a bit of that going on but it does require a lot of trust and you don't always get that you know you're not going to get that in a 15 minute reading on the beach yeah uh, yeah of course i mean it's, it's funny i um i've never really felt comfortable doing readings for for my friends or anything because i've never really felt like i know the cards well enough but i, I feel like sure. I've, to be honest i've probably spent too much time trying to read about tarot and not enough time mm. trying to do it so i feel i feel a bit better about doing that now because because it, it, se it seems like it seems like it's something which you can kind of a lot of it's about kind of looking at the cards and getting something from them and mm. you know I, I feel a little bit more comfortable about about trying it now so, so that's, that's cool i i I think, you know, there's no exam that you need to pass to be a tarot reader. And there are some, you know, tarot professionals who are really, really yeah. good at their job. And so they get a little bit irritated when, you know, people come along claiming to be amazing at it or, you know, wanting to help people, you know, charging people for it or whatever. I'm a little bit more kind of relaxed about things, you know. You will soon work out whether you can cope with giving readings to people or not. And, you know, if you're only having a little bit of a mess about then you're not going to be doing it for very long and so you're no real kind of threat to other tarot readers out there if you like but um and if those other tarot readers are worried about their kind of professional status well they're in the wrong job if you want professional status you know kind of go and be a lawyer we've always been on the fringes you know anybody who's you know an oracle reader is going to be on the edge of the city and i think that's a good thing to accept um, so I would say, you know, if you're beginning to feel like you've got a thing for reading the tarot or doing any other kind of divination, just go for it. See what happens. You know, don't be too precious about it. Don't feel like you've got to have, you know, the equivalent of an A-level in tarot and understand all the weird correspondences from some, you know, obscure <laughs> mythical situation. You, you really don't. Like I said, the answers are in the pictures on the cards if you've got a, a picture-based deck. And I, I, I really do think that being a good tarot reader is as much about being a good communicator as anything else. I mm. think you have to be able to listen to what people are saying and listen to the cues that, or, you know, observe the cues that they're giving off, you know, are they very tense or are they very giggly or are they, you know, very weepy about something and just use your basic human spidey sense if you like to pick up on all the cues that you would if you were just having an ordinary conversation i think in a way the tarot is just a tool for talking i it can be used for all sorts of other things i'm reading a book at the moment on tarot as a an entire magical system using the tarot as a sort of temple and doing magical ritual and it's brilliant if you want to go down those those roads but its power is just a gate to open onto conversation in a way that people might never be able ordinarily to converse honestly that's i think part of its real power okay so where one thing um that uh, i did you have a you have a great blog about tarot on your website and mm. you have a blog you. post about uh, an exercise that you can do um called it's called altered states um do you do you want 
and and I and I did this. I did this exercise yesterday. <laughs> I just want to just explain what what that exercise is um, for the listener. Okay. So I work with a magical practitioner. His name is Callum, and he lives down um, down on the south coast. And he is an incredible magician and has a very, I would say very, he has a different angle of approach from me. But he came up with this um, method that you mentioned, which we called Altered States um, in the blog post. And it's about sort of tapping into the image beyond the image on the card. So the idea is that, you know, if you're going to read the five of pentacles or whatever it is you're going to talk about today, that you get, you know, you get your good old biro and a piece of paper and you just draw five pentacles or five coins and you see, you, know, you draw over and over them and you just see what happens once you've drawn those five discs. You see where you place them on the page, whether there's anything else on there. You know, are there some scribbles in between two of them? Is there a kind of whole bunch of clouds in the sky? It might bear no relation to the image of which is on the deck. Uh, but what it does is it just pulls something out from your deeper understanding of those symbols and makes you ask some questions and give yourself some answers. So you had a bit of a go. What card did you pick? I can't remember there. Um, it was the, four of swords, wasn't it? It was. The, it was supposed to be the three of swords, but I drew. Yeah. I did. I drew. I drew, I drew four swords, swords but. Um, that, but one of the swords is being held by um, by a man, and there's there's three swords on the wall. Um, yeah, okay. So you tell me about that experience then. How did that feel drawing that stuff? Well, it it sort of um, it it sort of evolved on the page. Really, I I I not been sure what card to draw because I sort of had cards in my head for. For a couple of reasons, so mm-hmm. um, the, the card we were talking about earlier, the the two of wands, that was on my mind because I remember it being one that sort of that sort of confused me a little bit. But it, it was, but I thought, well, I don't want to, I don't want to draw that because that's something where I'm, my thought process about that card is is one thing really. It's it's that card, and mm. I'm I'm thinking about that card because I'm I'm wondering what it means. Whereas I want to, I want to try and think about a card that kind of pops into my head, and then draw that if you see mm, what I mean. Yeah. So, so the three of swords popped into my head, and I just drew three swords, and then I just added the rest. Really, the man with the sword in the window, and 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 that's where it that's where it came from, and and, and ended as well, I, I suppose. Um, um, but it was interesting to do. I, I I wasn't sure if I'd be in a weird way. <laughs> I wasn't sure if I'd be able to do it. So I was glad that I did. Yeah. Um. There's a lot of people, I would say there's a lot of people who really doubt their ability to do actually what a fairly straightforward task that if you gave a six year old and I said, okay, draw three swords, they go, all right then. And they just, they just, they draw three yeah. swords <laughs> and there might be some ensuing battle with space dinosaurs or something. Um, but it would be a very straightforward task and you give it to an adult and like, oh, I don't know if I can manage that and I can do that as though there's some right or wrong answer at the end of it. Um, well, actually, there isn't a right or yeah. wrong answer. The very point of it is for you to interact with that image and to see what images you pull out, almost like when you're writing down a dream the next morning and sort of just trying to pull out the same kind of thing, I think. Um, you can then kind of go along and sort of compare that with what you see on the card. I don't really think that's the point. I think it's about consciously almost pulling that card's imagery into a physical space for you or that card's meaning or you know those symbols into some sort of physicality so when you look at pictures it's quite a it's quite a passive thing when you take a pen and draw it's a very active thing and so one of the things I get people to do in really early um, tarot courses with me is to draw the image so not quite the same activity as we've got on the blog, but um, just to draw the image, because what it does is it makes you notice things that you might not have noticed just by looking. So, for example, by drawing, I don't know, the uh, ten of wands, 
Well, you might, when you first looked at the Ten of Wands, only see the man and the wands, whereas you didn't see the castle in the distance or the colour of the foreground or whatever. So by drawing it, it makes you observe more what you see in front of you. And I think the activity that you did makes you um, uh, physically manifest the images inside your brain and the understanding that your brain has or your consciousness has. Okay, yeah. So in terms of what I drew... What hmm. what would you say that represents? Okay, so interpreting your drawing is a bit like interpreting a dream, I suppose. Right. What I'm not doing is interpreting the Three of Swords. I'm t- interpreting your interaction with the Three of Swords. Yeah. The Three of Swords, if you've not seen it before, is um, a really, really powerful image. It's a heart which is uh, has three swords sticking out of it. Sorry, my family keep WhatsApping me, so I'm really sorry about the buzzing, by the way. That's okay. <laughs> so, yeah, you've got three swords with, uh, you know, piercing this heart. And sometimes on um, some images you'll have blood dripping and it'll be really gory. I quite like it. It's a good Catholic image, actually. Um, yeah. But what you had in your drawing was the sword was on a win- uh, the heart was on a window, wasn't it? And yes. what that would show me... If I was, it feels a little bit kind of psychologically analytical rather than tarotish. Um, although, of course, we use psychology and tarot too. But it makes me feel like you're perhaps a little bit disconnected from that um, pain that is represented within that Three of Hearts. So, you know, I don't know your situation, and it might be not not be something that you have you know, encountered yet or dealt with yet. Um, But it would be an interesting angle. So you've drawn a person, which is essentially yourself, and the heart is in the background. So either you've not encountered pain yet, perhaps, in that specific framework, or you have put it in its place and you are choosing not to interact with it. So those are questions that I would kind of, threads I would pull on, and I would be asking myself, having drawn that and compared it with the card that I see, um, how am I interacting with that pain which is represented? Okay, that's really that's really fascinating. That's uh, I I when I was, <laughs> it's it's funny how you can you can draw something and and not mm. realize what it might what it might mean. But that that's yeah. that interpretation is 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 definitely interesting. There we go. Interesting. That's what people say when they either don't want to admit something <laughs> right. um, or or I'm totally wrong. But so either can be either can be the case. And I do get it wrong. And in fact, all tarot readers do get it wrong. I should say that we can go off down a different tack. And I think that's that goes back to that idea of having a conversation with your tarot reader. You know, I can you know, you can come to me for a reading and you might not tell me exactly what you want to be reading about. So off I go and I'm going to. Um, draw some cards and I think oh great okay let's have a talk about your job and what you're desperate to talk about is you know your dog's fate at the vets next week you know unless you kind of have that conversation I'm going to be going and talking about your job yeah well uh, Ellen this has been really fascinating thank you so much for being on the podcast oh Rick it's great I really really enjoyed it I am I was teaching on Saturday and I, I I talked from Oh, 10 till about half past one on the tarot and I had a really sore throat by the end of it <laughs> and I realised I can right. just talk and talk and talk so it's probably good that you're going to bring it to a close now So if anyone wants to find out more about you and, and the classes that you teach how do they find you? So we are um, at www.derbyshiretarot.co.uk and you can find details of workshops and classes and there's all sorts of things which are going to be happening we have a summer school in Derbyshire taking place at the end of July um, we have a tarot circle where you can just come and have a bit of a chat in the pub and we uh, are there are private lessons and things as well so you can come and engage with us there uh, you can find us on twitter at derbyshire tarot and on instagram at derbyshire tarot as well excellent well i'll make sure to put a, a link to your website in the show notes rick you're a gem thank you ever so much indeed thank you very much bye thanks bye In this episode, Ellen made a really good point that a person will usually come to a reading already knowing the answer to whatever question it is that they want resolved. 
A tarot reading will work as well as you want it to work, and I suppose that means that the cards are as meaningful as you want them to be. Also, talking with Ellen made me realise that it can be easy to overcomplicate learning how to read the cards. Her advice to just start with the pip cards has really worked for me, and I now feel like I can make progress with doing readings. Tarot cards are a fascinating bridge between mysticism and psychology. The Rider-Waite-Smith deck contains imagery that could be found in a medieval grimoire, or a book on Jungian archetypes. A lot of credit deserves to go to Pamela Coleman-Smith for creating 78 separate artworks that each contain a distinct meaning, and have had a real impact on our idea of what tarot is today. I highly recommend visiting Ellen's website, which features regular blog posts and details on the classes and courses that she hosts. If you'd like to get in touch with the podcast, please email someothersphere at gmail.com or go to at spherical underscore pod on Twitter. It'd be great to hear from you. Thank you very much for listening.